Good morning. It's good to see you here this morning. Well, we are continuing our series on momentum and how our forward motion can actually be holding us back if that forward motion is not something that is healthy, not as something that is going to be helpful. And today we are going to be looking at the areas of habits, addictions, and freedoms. And as you think of momentum, I remember hearing this phrase that, you know, you plant a deed and you will harvest a habit. You plant a habit and you will harvest a lifestyle. And so it starts with that one action, but that one action has the ability to snowball and develop the momentum that actually then starts driving our lives instead of we driving our lives. That's not the right terminology. That's driving our lives as well. And so this morning we want to look in this area of addiction. And as we talk about addiction, and I was looking at it, there's really different ways to kind of look at this. I mean, there's the idea of habits. That's one area. There's the idea of compulsion, you know, this compulsive behavior. And then there's the idea of addiction. And there are actually differences between all three of them. And they might be a little bit slight, but there are differences. A habit is a settled or regular tendency or practice, usually one that is hard to give up. Now, we have to keep in mind that not all habits are bad. If you brush your teeth regularly... That's a good habit, right? Well, right, that's, a, that's supposed to be, yes, that, that's true. And so there are habits that you can develop that are actually good habits, and that's things that you practice, and that practice becomes the tendency, and then that becomes your norm, and it's hard to steer from that norm. Some of you sit in the same place every week. That's a habit, okay? And it's hard for you to break that. Not saying you have to, I'm just saying it, it's a habit and it's not a bad habit. You know, but then there are bad habits. There are things that we can do, you know, that aren't good for us. You know, I don't know, picking your nose would be a bad habit. You know, I'm sure there's better examples, but that's a, a bad habit. Things that are done in that way. And then when you deal with compulsion, compulsion is an irresistible urge to behave in a certain way. And then again, especially or usually against one's conscious wishes. And so compulsion has another element. It has this element of, you know you shouldn't, but you still do. And not all compulsion is bad. If you see a house that's burning and you run in that home to save someone who's in that home, you see, your instinct is saying, you shouldn't run into a building that's burning. But your compulsion to save someone is actually a good one. But then there's bad compulsions as well. You know, if there's a burning building and it's just a cat in there, then, you know, to run... Just joking, okay? I'm just seeing if you're still with me here. There are certain compulsions that are bad. Compulsion, you know, you need to, to gamble. You, you need to spend this money or, you know, you need to cut yourself and those things. That's compulsion that then is com- 
destructive, not constructive. And then there's addiction. Addiction is the state of being enslaved to a habit or practice or to something that is psychologically or physically habit-forming. And what addiction is, is something that your body, in some way, whether it's your physical biology or whether it's even in your brain capacity is now connected to whatever this is. That's when you get the shakes when you stop doing something because you are addicted. And so a lot of things that we do might fall in a compulsive behavior. It's kind of funny because people, as I was reading online, everyone wants to know mine's addictive. No, mine's, it's like, I want mine to be the worst. You know, I want you to know how bad this is. And it really doesn't matter the definition. What matters is what's happening with us. Because if there are good habits and bad habits, if there's good compulsion and bad compulsive behavior, there's also good addictive behavior. We are addicted to air. Every one of you. Okay? There's things that we need physically. Our bodies cannot function without these things. We are addicted to food. So there's a good form of addiction, but then that addiction can turn bad, can't it? If we overindulge in food, some of these things. And so what we really need to see in all these areas, whether it's habit, compulsive behavior, or addictions, is how and why is it bad? What turns it from this place of good and makes it bad behavior? What is the trait that leads it to the dark side? How do we keep it from going there? And so there's some things we can ask ourselves to see if this habit, if this compulsive behavior, if this addiction is actually something that is harmful to me. And so some of the things that we can do or questions that we can ask ourselves is, is this behavior preoccupying your thoughts and life? In other words, is this behavior dominating what you do so that you can't function well in other areas of your life without this? And then again, we can think of areas in our lives where, or people that we know perhaps where this is very apparent. If you've got someone who is a a drug addict, then you find that their life is all about getting that fix. Someone who perhaps is an alcoholic and, and their life is all about that drinking, whether it's on a daily basis or on a binge basis, I need that. And then the destructive things that happen because of that, we have to ask ourselves is, is the behavior negatively affecting one or more areas of your life? Is this behavior causing problems in other areas of your life? Is it making you miss work? Is it causing you to become unhealthy? Is it causing a negative effect to you physically or even socially? Because you are so involved with this behavior. And so perhaps it's even, you know, you're just online all the time. And and that becomes your world. And you're just connected. Your compulsive behavior is to, I always want to be online. I'm always checking, you know, Facebook. I'm always checking Instagram. I'm always looking for something. And your life is now revolving around this. And so you have no social life because it's all about, you know, the internet. It's all this, you know, 
connection to the computer instead of actually to people. And so there are so many areas that we can have in our lives that cause a negative effect to us. And you can start to see how some people, well, you know, this person has a a problem with gambling. And so now they're in financial straits because the dad has spent all the money that he makes on gambling. I know people who've lost cars, lost homes, lost families because of gambling. Because that started to preoccupy their lives. Also, we can ask is, are you secretive about the behavior most of the time? If it's something that is done in secret or you feel you have to hide it, why? Why do you have to hide this behavior? Are you ashamed of what people will think? Are you ashamed what people will find out if you do this then it's probably not something that's good for you. It's probably something that's causing shame, which is one of the things that we're going to talk about. And then also, have you tried your best to stop the behavior, but you couldn't? And now you find that the momentum of this action, the momentum of this behavior is now carrying you, and you are no longer in charge of your life. This behavior is actually what is driving you. It's occupying your time. It's affecting your life with those around you as well as your physical being. It's something that has occupied your time. You are secretive about it and you just can't seem to let it go. And you see, there are so many areas that encompass this kind of thing. Addiction is a huge problem in the world and in the United States. As I was looking, it was saying one out of seven people from the ages 12 and up, they believe have an addiction problem with narcotics or alcohol of some time. That's just dealing with alcohol and narcotics. That's not dealing with gambling. That's not dealing with pornography. That's not dealing with social issues. That's not dealing with eating disorders. That's not dealing with cutting or other harm-causing things that we would do to our bodies. That's just dealing with those, and that's just what they know about. And you know that more of this is done in secret than is revealed. So imagine how great this problem is. Is it one in four? If it is, just go through here and count one, two, three. Sorry, Doug. You know, I mean, think about it. How much this is affecting who we are as a community, who we are as people. And it's important that we recognize this problem, that we don't ignore it, because that is one of the biggest things that has to happen first and foremost is a recognition that it's a problem. Because if you don't know it's a problem, you'll leave it alone. And as you come to a place in your life, again, that saying, a lot of people won't change until the pain of remaining the same exceeds the pain of the change. When we finally get to that place where we say, enough is enough. I cannot deal with this anymore. I'm now broke. I'm now physically handicapped, crippled. I cannot continue living like this. And then we cry out and say, I need change. And now the problem is apparent. Now the problem is shouting in your face saying, deal with me. And a lot of times we won't deal with a problem until it is shouting at us. 
until it is screaming in our face, I will ruin your life if you ignore me. And we can ignore it no longer and we step into it. And how we step into it is really important. Brene Brown wrote in her book, Daring Greatly, how the courage to be vulnerable transforms the way we live, love, parent, and lead. She wrote this. She says, Americans today are more debt-ridden, obese, medicated, and addicted than we ever have been. For the first time in history, the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention has announced that automobile accidents are now the second leading cause of accidental death in the United States. The leading cause? Drug overdoses. In fact, more people die from prescription drug overdoses than from heroin, cocaine, and methamphetamine drug use combined. Even more alarming is the estimate that less than 5% of those who died from prescription drug overdoses obtained their drugs from the folks we normally think as street corner drug dealers. The dealers today are more likely to be parents, relatives, friends, and physicians. Clearly, there's a problem. We're desperate to feel less or more of something, to make something go away, or to have more of something else. And that's getting us to what I really want to talk about in this area of momentum, is why are we feeling this need to medicate, this need to cut, this need to indulge in whatever these areas are. Why is that there? What's it telling us? And you see, there's usually a trigger. When someone's got a problem with something, there's usually a trigger that causes that problem. And sometimes finding that trigger is an important part. That trigger usually has to do with uh, uh, fear, a loss of control or a sense of not being in control. And so what we do is then go to this habit, this compulsive behavior, this addiction, because it gives us the feeling of control. I might not be in control of my family. I might not be in control of my work situation, but I am control of this habit. It tries to feel something. I I feel dead. I feel insecure. I, I feel like I'm no value. But when I cut, I at least feel. I at least feel alive. I at least can sense that something is going on. And so this sensation becomes something that you actually look forward to because at least I now feel in control and that I have this ability. And we're trying to feel something. We're trying to fill a need that's there or we're trying to escape something. And so I I drink to forget. And some people, they drink to remember. But there's something going on because there's a need that needs to be filled. There's a need that has a cry from our soul saying, I'm here for a reason. What are you going to do about me? And some of us just thinking about this makes us feel anxious. So what do we do when we get anxious? Where do we go? How do we deal with it? Now, I've been to a lot of churches and studies and things that talk about this. And a lot of times what is said, okay, well, stop. Take 
every thought into captivity. Stop thinking about it. Just stop. So there, we're done. Everyone, good? Okay, all the addictions, all the problems are done, right? Just stop. But see, that's the whole idea of this momentum. I'm no longer in control. It's controlling me. And you tell me to stop, and I'm like, how? Because I'm crying to stop, and I don't know how. And it could be because of how we're recognizing the situation. And it might help if we identify the trigger and we start seeing the reason I'm doing this is because I'm trying to fill the loneliness. The reason I'm doing this is because I do feel out of control. The reason I'm doing this is because I'm anxious and this helps me to settle down. Maybe if we see the trigger, then we can start understanding a little bit about ourselves. But I think we need to go back further and we need to look at when we were created, what was the intention? And in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 27, it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, He created them. It's interesting because God says, let's make man in our image, in our likeness, so that. I want to make man in our image so that. And then he says, so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky, over the livestock, over the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. God created us in his image so that we could rule. Everyone give a, yeah, Okay, but we have this idea of rule. Yeah, I'm in charge. I'm in rule. But the idea of ruling actually means a custodian, someone who is here to take care of. And so man was created in God's image so that he could take care of creation. Now, some of you are already feeling anxious just hearing that. It's like, I don't need another job. Now I've got creation to worry about. I'm just trying to clean my house. Don't you know what you're doing to me? But you see, you were created with a purpose, and the purpose was to make sure that everything was okay in the world. You were to be the health of the earth. You were supposed to be the ones who are custodians of the planet to make sure that the world, the cosmos, are healthy. And so when you were formed, it was with intention, it was with purpose. It wasn't so that you could meander and wonder what you're about. It was to bring health and healing to the world around you. And that's an important job. But if we don't realize that we have a purpose, what will happen is we will lose focus and we won't be living for anything. Oh, I'll live for my job or I'll live for my family or I'll live for the money or I'll live for the fix or I'll live to whatever it is. But it's less than what it was intended to be. And so you start finding yourself in need. Because you were created for more. And your soul knows that. 
And it's screaming to you, you were meant for more than this. What are you going to do with that voice that keeps shouting in your ear? Well, I'm going to medicate it. I mean, that's what some parents do with their babies, right? That's what was on the news, that nanny, remember? She was, you guys didn't see the news? Anyway, I'm not just making it up, really. This, they found out this nanny was giving their baby this medicine to put the baby to sleep so she wouldn't have to deal with it. You see, we want to do that with our own voice because we don't want to deal with it. And, and so because we were intended for this position to rule over and to care over these things, if we don't take the position that we were intended for, then we have to deal with it somehow. And then we find ourselves dealing with it in ways and habits and compulsive behavior in these areas that form addictions that aren't healthy for us because we think of ourselves less, not more. You see, a person who has a compulsive or addictive behavior, they don't think more of themselves. They are thinking less of themselves. And instead of being who they are meant to be, designed to be, created in God's image to be, they are settling for this because this helps me to deal with the fact that I'm not that. And we see this in in Jesus' own words. In In John 17, Jesus said, Father, glorify me with the glory that I had with you before the world was. And his glory was to to go to the cross to to deal with the brokenness of humanity and to bring life back to us in the resurrection. And then we see him in Matthew. He says the most amazing thing in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them after the resurrection. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so Jesus is alive from the dead and he says, all authority is given to me. That's what Adam gave up. That authority, that dominion, that was his glory. And Jesus now has that glory. All glory is now mine. Glorify me with the glory I had with you. And all authority is back in my care. And what does he do when Jesus says, all authority, all power is given to me in heaven and earth? He looks at you and me and he says, now go. What's he doing? He's taking the baton and he's saying, I've taken care of it. The brokenness that was there, I fixed it. The baton's now in your hands. Now you can go and do the job that you were meant to do all along. Bring healing to the world. That is your task. And so many times, if we don't have something to live for, it's not enough just to stop. You can, but you have to have a goal. And the goal has to be greater than just not doing something. 
No one, no one says in their minds, you know, man, I'm going to get to the Olympics and I'm going to get the bronze medal. That's what I'm going for. No, you want the gold. I hope I get in the, the playoffs so that we can just win our national division. No. Beat the Cardinals. Move on. World Series. You don't stop short. The goal is set so that you can reach it. It pushes you. You have something to live for. And you see, I think the problem is so many times as we go through, okay, I'm going to deal with this problem. I'm going to deal with this addiction. I'm going to deal with this habit. I'm going to deal with this compulsive behavior that I have. My goal is to stop. But stopping doesn't fill the need that I still have to live. One of the struggles that they're having with those in the military are how they deal with life when they get out. And what they're finding is to, to stop suicide from taking place from these people is it's not enough to tell them, well, just don't do these things. They have to have something that they live for. And we are all the same way. It's not enough to just stop a behavior. You have a task that is incredible. You have been given the authority of God to bring health to the world. You have a mission. You're to go. And now make these disciples of all nations. Because it's not enough to stop the behavior if you don't have something to live for. And, and you guys, we do this all the time. We, when we have something that we really want, something we're really living for, it's easy, isn't it? I mean, when you want to get up and go hunting or fishing, if you like that sort of thing, that morning comes up, you're up. You're bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, you're ready to go. My son, Daniel, you couldn't wake him up if you threw him in a bathtub of ice water. He would say, yeah, 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 and he'd lay back down. He just, he was amazing. He would actually sit up, yeah, no, he'd look at you and then, gong, you'd go back down. That was it. And nothing could get that kid up. We did. We threw water on his face because he just would not get up. We'd drag him out of bed. We'd stand him up. We'd have to make sure he wouldn't just go back. No, come on. Get going. Move. And we'd like push him into the bathroom. Like, come on. And then we'd go back and he'd be in bed. Like, oh, you know, what's going on? When we were going to travel, he was going to go with me to Europe, to Wales. We were up late that night packing. Two in the morning. We had to get up like five in the morning, six. And I remember knocking on his door. He was in bed. And I said, hey, Daniel, it's time to get up. The smile came over his face. He just sat up. Why? Because he'd been waiting for this trip. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? Where have you been? See, he wanted to get up. Some of you woke up this morning and said, it's Sunday. All right. Then there's the rest of you. I said, oh, why does it have to start so early? If you want to do something, you can do it. Same thing staying late 
If you want to go out, hey, I'm going to go out with my friends. We're going to go, you know, see a movie for the first time or whatever it is. We're going to go out this place and we're going to get something to eat. And you're hanging with your buddies. And man, it's three in the morning and it's like, oh man, I wish it wouldn't end. Other times, man, it's 10 o'clock. I'm dead tired. Why? You're not living for something. See, our body revives when we want. The problem is now the momentum of our choices, we start wanting the wrong things. The bad habits, the bad compulsive behavior, the things that cause bad addictions. And what we need to do is not just stop the bad, we need to start the good. To stop the momentum of this area of our lives, we need to change the momentum. Because you weren't meant to stand still. You need to move, but we need to move in a healthy direction, a right direction. It's interesting that our compulsive problems, behaviors happen when we feel out of control. Why? Because we were created to control. You see, you were created to to be the ones who brought healing. You were created to bring the change. And then when we feel out of control, that's when we go to those behaviors. When I train dogs, I'll train dogs that have compulsive behavior. And some dogs will literally chew their tail raw. Some will actually have to be amputated because it's so bad. And you think it's your own tail, stupid. What are you doing? Think about it. This is your own life, stupid. What are you doing? Haven't you said that maybe to yourself? Haven't you said that to someone you love? What are you doing? You're, you're destroying yourself. And I start to deal with these dogs, and what happens is when the dog gets anxious, it doesn't know what to do, so it chases its tail and starts biting it. Why? Because I can do that. I don't know what to deal with you. I'm going to just bite my tail. And so it'll sit there spinning around and biting its tail. And what I have to do as a trainer is I have to get its mind off its tail and get it onto me. Because I'm now the leader. Hey, knock it off. Oh, you're talking to me? Yeah, stop biting your tail. Pay attention to me. Okay, I guess. Yeah. And I can get a dog to stop the compulsive behavior, not if I just get it to stop that, but by changing its focus and changing its direction. And we're the same way. And we need to recognize that. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 to 21. It's important that we recognize that if we just stand still, we're not going to be satisfied dealing with these areas of our lives. Romans 8, starting at verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. The baton has been handed to you. All power is given to me, Jesus said, go. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. 
Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. You get that? You share in his glory. You are his child. The broken condition of humanity that was passed on from Adam has now been flipped and brought to reconciliation through Christ. Romans chapter 5 talks about that. And now we are in him. We are his children, his heirs. And now we inherit this. We share not only in his sufferings, but so we can share in his glory. Verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. That's you and me. Creation is waiting for the healing. It is waiting for us. It is our mission. It is our task. For the creation was subject to frustration. When? In Adam. Not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. The glory of the children of God. The sufferings of this present time aren't worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in you. The glory of the children of God. Your inheritance, your responsibility, your task. You were created for more than you can imagine. And it's time for us to change the direction of our lives and live for this. Because that is only when we will be satisfied. That is only when we will be made whole. We will not be satisfied in anything else. And you see, I have seen and know and have read horrific things that happen to people. We live in a world where we see and know of people who are being beheaded on national display. And then you have a verse like this that tells us that the sufferings of this present time can't even compare to the glory that will be revealed in you. It is telling us what God has created us to be. That the whole creation is longing to see it take place. You see, the cosmos are waiting for you to step into the position you were created for, you have potential that is beyond your ability to understand. Jesus said, all authority, all power has been given to me. Go. And if we would see that we have a purpose to live, if we would take our eyes off of chasing our tails and realize, no, I'm going to Pursue this instead. I'm going to set a new motion in play. I'm going to move in a new direction. I'm going to let this gain momentum. I'm going to let this gain steam because I have something to wake up for. I have something to live for. I have a task. I have a calling that is incredible. Go down to verse 30. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. I think it's interesting 
that we have been predestined before we were called. How are you justified? You are justified in Jesus. How are you predestined? You are predestined in Jesus. How are you called? You were called through Jesus. How are you justified? It's through Jesus. How are you glorified? It's through Jesus. All authority has been given into me. Heaven and earth, go. So the baton is in our hands. The task is theirs for our taking. We need to step into this. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill that can't be hid. Do you recognize this? Do you understand that? Knowing that something is wrong is necessary to take place so that we can make the change. Knowing that this habit isn't good, it's destructive. Knowing that this compulsive behavior is destructive, it's not good. Knowing this addiction that is causing my body to crave it or whatever is not good. That's the first step, but that's just the first step. We need to step past that. Don't just take something out of your life. Put something in your life. Put the glory of God's commission in your life to know that you were created to bring healing to the world. Put that into your life. Change something in what you're doing. Behavioral changes will often follow routine changes because that's how our brains work. If you were to document these areas of your life that were problematic, you would start to see a pattern. Before this happened, this happened. Before this happened, this happened. So look back and say, I'm not going to let this happen. I'm going to change this direction and move over here instead. And then you'll see that your cravings and those things actually start to change as you change those things. Deal with the shame. This is important. You see, shame will lead you to hide. Shame will lead you back to the problem behavior. And what shame does is it degrades you. It it, it makes you less. You see, shame is saying, okay, you, you told a lie. Shame is saying you're a bad person. What we want is to say, I did something that was bad, but I am a better person. Because if you live in the shame, you will not see your life as having the potential to get out of the shame. We need to recognize that. And so recognition says that was a bad choice, but I'm better than that. How do you know you're better than that? Because... You are the light of the world because you have been called to a position to be God's children, his heirs, and the inheritance that belongs now to Jesus now belongs to you. The calling that was given to Jesus is now our calling. Are you going to let your lives be defined by the shame and compulsive behavior? Or will you move forward 
to live in the fullness of glory that God has created for us. See, it's not the person who goes down swinging that you worry about. It's the person who gets up swinging. And shame will keep you down, but recognition of your calling by God to be the light of the world will get you up swinging. And so when you get knocked down and you give in to that struggle, what are you going to do? Are you going to say, man, this is just who I am. I'm no good. Or will you get up and say, no, I do not live here. I am better than this. Why? Because God has created me for a purpose. From the very foundation, I was created to rule. I was given this responsibility and I'm not going to shake the responsibility. It is what I was made for. You ever see some of these athletes and they can run and fast? And it's like, man, they were made for that. It's like, man, if you didn't run, that would be a shame. See, if you don't live in the potential that God has given you, it is such a shame. Because you're meant to live for more. And then the question comes, what is it? What am I supposed to live for? How do I find those things? And that's the journey, people. That's the step. And you've got to take that step. And God has promised us that if we seek, we will find. If you knock, it will be open. But don't stop knocking. Don't stop asking. Don't stop getting up. Don't stop believing who God has created you to be. Don't give in to the lie that says you are less. Don't stop until you become who God has made you to be, the light of the world, the glory that the creation is looking for that brings healing to the world. Don't stop short because if you do, you will find yourselves living for something less instead of something more. Let's pray. God, it seems as if this responsibility is something that would itself either cause stress or bring liberation. And Lord, I pray within each of our hearts as we see what is before us as we recognize the potential that we wouldn't listen to the voices that says you can't do it you're not good enough you're not strong enough you don't have what it takes may we recognize the lies that those actually are because it's you who said You're the light of the world. It's you who told us that we are the glory of creation. It is you who have put within us the potential. May we believe what you say about us more than the lies we're telling ourselves. And when we want to take control 
of something less. If we're going to take control of just this small area, this small addiction, this small habit, this small compulsive, may we then recognize at that time that this is so much less than what we can control. And when we feel like the world is out of control, this is beyond my ability to understand. May we hear your voice speak into our hearts and our souls that I reckon that the sufferings of this present time aren't worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in you. Lord, may we recognize the glory that you have put in us, the dominion that is ours by inheritance, the potential that is within us from the foundation and creation as we are made in your image. May we trust in what you see in us and not in what we see of ourselves. As we're praying right now, we're going to move into a place of singing and even as I shared, there are areas that we need to step into And so as Alex starts singing the first song, I'm going to ask us if you recognize that there is an area of your life, it doesn't matter if it's a habit, if it's compulsive behavior, or it's a full-on addiction, if there is an area in your life that you are wanting to acknowledge before God and say, I see this. As he sings this song, may you stand as a declaration of God, you see me. You see me as I am. And as we sing, may that be our voice. And as he's done singing that first song, we we can take some other steps together. But let's sing and let's stand as we feel that recognition or that need to recognize these areas of our lives. We also need to recognize that we cannot do this alone, that you are struggling somewhere, that you need people in your life that can help lift you up. If you keep a secret and it stays a secret, it doesn't allow the light to come in and heal. And so let's stand together in solidarity with one another as we sing one more song. Find a a friend, find a, a brother, a sister who can help you through the struggle. Maybe it's your spouse, your husband, your wife. Maybe it's your parents, your mom, your dad, a sister, a brother. But if there's this area where you just seem like you are out of control, a stronghold has been taken in your life, you're seeing it, you're recognizing it, and you're wanting to make that direction, get a hold of someone so they can help you back up when you fall. It's necessary to have community. Notice it says that the glory belongs to the children of God, not just the child. It's us. It's plural. We need one another. You need someone to help you. We need God, but we need one another as well. Don't shy away from getting the help you need if you're struggling with these things. Because you need to move in the direction, but there's going to be times where you need someone to say, come on, you can do it. One more mile. Get up. You can make it. And you can. So may we stand in solidarity that we are the children of God. The creation is waiting to see the glory that God is wanting to reveal in us. 
And as we sing out to Him, we are declaring not only to God, but to our own souls and to our brothers and sisters who we are and that we are here to stand in solidarity with one another to get through this. Amen. God bless you guys. Let's close in one last song and sing out to the Lord.